1: Now Shindushiki back for Jozwiak And now comes a counter for Charlotte FC It's Josviak, middle of the field Has Sviderski on his right Now Carroll has it Carroll with a cross into the area Capetti with a shot They score! And Open Kepetti Opens Charlotte FC's account And the crown to the lead
2: And you love to see it from Enzo Capetti, the service is absolutely gorgeous. Into Capetti, we knew he had an aerial presence. We knew what he could do, it all starts from Andrej Shinichiki though with a great turnover, gets it into the path of Josviak who winds through traffic. Karos that's why he's playing winger, the quality of that service, off of his boot, onto Enzo Capetti, the power that he's able to utilize from the header, leaves the goalkeeper rooted on the spot that is an exemplary transition from charlotte fc from the moment it starts with the turnover forced by andre shinniashiki the carry from camille jozviak the service from swiss swiderski rather and the finish from enzo capetti prime goal
1: it is our second edition of crown corner not only of this year but also of this week as we are bringing you a brand new format with ground corner uh more check-ins lesser time more digestible for you uh one recap portion and one preview portion as charlotte fc gets ready for round three of the mls season getting ready to take on atlanta united a club that jess and i uh know very well and, and looking forward to, to seeing how this side matches up with their i-85 rivals who they split with a year ago but uh just as a uh a way of reintroducing what happened over the first two contests. Jess, is there anything that has kind of popped up over the course of the week that you've thought of that maybe Christian Latanzio was focusing on this week in order to try and get his team back on the right track against the Five Stripes?
0: I think a lot of it has to be mental preparation. When we've looked back at the games, Christian Latanzio has spoken about how the team is feeling in terms of the frustration, in terms of needing to channel that frustration into a successful tool to get success. And that must need real win uh, this weekend. So I think that they're going to be working on kind of getting the disappointment out of the system and just trying to channel that into focus because that can be difficult to do when you're feeling sorry for yourself. And I think as well, obviously, they're going to be working on finishing because we've only got one goal across the two games and goals win games. So it's going to be very important that we're more clinical against Atlanta as well as, Cleaning up the defence, but I think the defenders will need no real emphasis on that because as a defensive-minded player myself, I know that they've been beating themselves up and they'll want to make sure that they're able to get a clean sheet on Saturday.
1: Is it a is it a chemistry issue with the defense? Is it just again, I know the, the word momentary lapses comes to mind from what Latanzio said last week and 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 what I've heard a couple other people mention during the week I know Nathan Byrne talked about it as well. Um, what do you think is kind of behind the where the alarm bells are right now with the back four?
0: Yeah, I think momentary lapses is probably the best way to describe it, and that even succumbs to the goal in the first game against New England Revolution because when you look at the timing of it, in the 89th minute, it's a momentary lapse at the end of the game where maybe you've just sort of accepted it's going to be a nil-nil draw. Maybe you have just thought, okay, we're going to get our clean sheet and you haven't focused the full way through the match. And we had some issues with that in the 2022 season as well, in terms of a lot of, you know, late goals or early goals in halves where maybe we weren't switched on a hundred percent. And I think ensuring that we are 100% focused for the entirety of the game is so important, whether that's somewhat communication. I I talk as a goalkeeper where, you know, a goalkeeper may only touch a ball five, six times in a half, but they have to stay focused the entire time because you never know when those touches or saves might come. One of the best ways to do that as a goalkeeper is by communicating, by narrating the game, by making sure you're staying in it. And I think that's something that maybe we need to make sure we're doing in terms of our communication as well, to avoid lapses of focus, but also making sure we're cohesive as a back unit. Because, as you alluded to, Will, there has been some changes, which is bound to affect chemistry at least a little bit.
1: And how much of that is on on Pablo's plate? Because I know that that Christian, uh, very go- vocal goalkeeper in his time, but I know that we've even kind of criticized him during the year last year about maybe needing even to be more communicative when it comes to organization on the back line Uh, i think i think pablo from a shot stopping standpoint he's done everything that you could ask of him i don't think any of the goals from from that aspect you would pin on him but but how much of this uh requires pablo maybe to even be a little bit more assertive in his eyes
0: a hundred percent. And I think Pablo knows that if he's gonna make this starting position his, he has to treat this back line that it's like it's gonna be his back line for the entire season, the way he talks to them, the way he guides them. And it has a dual effect in a positive way. It not only helps his defensive line and those in front of them to be more, you know, cohesive, more understood, better positioning, but it helps him focus as a goalkeeper, making sure he knows where he's at, knowing where his positioning is, knowing that he's got his defence and the right coverage. So I've seen Pablo and uh, in the preseason games where we're able to be closer to the field, we could hear him communicate. But I still think it's something that we can always better as a goalkeeping union. It's always something we need to work on our directive. And when we talk about goalkeeping and communication, it's not just saying push up or Slide left. It's really about useful communication in terms of checking your left shoulder, name and number, all of these directive communication and making sure you're concise and so it's easy for the defense to follow. So I think that's something they'll be working on. And it's something that all teams' goalkeepers really need to make sure they work on.
1: I asked about Bryant being at the left back position when we just got off with Christian Latanzio a couple of minutes before we started recording this. And he said that you know, Brandt has the characteristics in his eyes to play left back, and it's not something that is a one-week experiment. Uh, I don't know if that gives us a window into into how it will look this week, but uh, I know that one of the things you said in our conversation uh, earlier in the week is that you actually rather impressed with Brandt, uh, not just in his aptitude with the position, but but what he offered going forward. And we know that Christian likes to have those – fullbacks tuck more in uh, and the wide presence more on the hands and the plate of the two wingers. My question to you is just when he says something like that, does that ultimately mean that that Brant Bronico has this spot until uh, it ends up costing them games or uh, or if it ends up uh, being something that could be fruitful down the line that that could be where he slots in because the situation in the midfield, as we know right now, is Westwood and Jones are, are two very undroppable players as well.
0: Yeah, I don't try and get into the mind of Christian Latanzio because I think he is a very unique character, a very smart character, and he knows what's best for his version of this team. But I do think the Bram-Bronico decision was a brave decision. But it's a decision that in terms of, yeah, the result and conceding three goals, maybe you look at the defence and you think, oh, was that a part of the issue? But I thought Bram-Bronico did a very admirable job. His positioning looked good. His understanding of the, the plays looked good. His role in terms of stepping to the ball was very good. I was a little concerned because the nature of being a midfielder at times is that you can stab and you can dive in a little bit more uh, forgivably than you can as a fullback because as a fullback, you're the last line of defense a lot of the time. So I thought Brandt adjusted very, very well and that he showed that this is a role that he can add in terms of his versatility as a player. I think that if you're looking at that chemistry, as Nathan Byrne also talked about in his press conference uh, yesterday that we got to be part of, it's important to try and keep some level of consistency. But fortunately, because they train together every single day, they know their characteristics, even if they're not playing first team minutes together. So I'll be interested to see, but I would not be surprised to see Brant Bronico in that left back slot again, because I think he did himself a lot of credit in that role.
1: I'm very curious about what is going to happen up front. I I think we all kind of believe that Enzo Capetti is is the nine and and will stay there, at least as the starting man this week and and for the foreseeable future, barring injury. But the other three positions, central attacking midfielder and the two wings, I think that it's up for a lot of open debate right now and not just the players, but but where they go. And, you know, Sviderski as the winger, I felt like, Despite setting up the goal, I feel like maybe he got a little lost and we didn't feel him as much in the game against St. Louis. Uh, I know that playing as a central attacking midfielder down the stretch last year, it's a role that very much shoot, suited him. But in the opening week of the season against New England, they did a very good job to to hound him and, and render him somewhat ineffective. And, and I know Yosviak had an up and down start to the season, down week one, up week two. I think the right wing uh, job... I'm not saying that it belongs to one particular person or another. If it's Federsky, great. If it's somebody else, I don't know. But I know Nuno Santos has made a bid. I know Vargas has made a bid. And I know I've thrown a lot at you from that standpoint. I guess, how do you solve the conundrum up front?
0: It's really tough. And I'm glad it's not our decision, honestly, because the competition in terms of the wingers and the attacking players is very deep. And there's a lot of players that have different characteristics but none of them is like the complete undroppable player if that makes sense a lot of them have things going for them on one aspect whether it's their ability on the reverse side of the ball offering defensiveness which christian Latanzio likes to have his wingers do there's players that are superior at that but then maybe they're not as good as their service so it's a tough one when you don't have a complete player in terms of spiderski I think you hit the nail on the head, Will, when you said that the service was incredible. Like, Don't get me wrong. There's nothing that you can take away from the service in terms of the power, the placement. Made it very easy for someone of Enzo Capetti's calibre to finish that chance. But other than that, you look back and he was just not used enough. He didn't see the ball enough. And you need to get your best players in positions to utilise the possession and move the ball. And I think Sviderski sees more of the ball in the middle of the park. But Shinashiki did a fairly good job there. So there is competition in those areas. I'm a big advocate for Nuno Santos in terms of the fact that he's not just your stereotypical winger. He has vision to find splitting passes in other ways. And we've talked a lot on our broadcast about needing to diversify the service to make it less predictable because we became quite one-dimensional, particularly against New England Revolution. So it's a tough one. There's a lot of players that are going to be disappointed to sit on the bench, but I'm a big believer in Competition breeds success because you're trying to advance in different areas of your game. We just have to make sure whoever's not starting is able to stay motivated and feels like they have an opportunity to really fight for that spot to get minutes.
1: We know as a tactician, Christian loves the ball. And, you know, these two teams that play this week, Atlanta and Charlotte, they had the highest percentage of possession earned the first two matches. Although, when you think about the way the MLS game has shifted, uh, I'll give you a stat from match day one. Uh, this was something that was referenced by Taylor Twelman on our flagship on Thursday. He basically said that in match day one, teams that held more than 51% of the possession were 1-10 in 10 in the opening week of play, and we are included in that 10. Atlanta is the one team that won. Uh, the balance was a little bit different and a little bit uh, more back to, to 50 when it came to match day number two, but... What do you make of this evolution, it seems, to teams? We saw it with St. Louis. We've seen it with Philadelphia. New York's the same way. Uh, New York Red Bulls, I should say, Uh, in the fact that teams are creating havoc by forcing mistakes, by uh, winning without dominating possession. And and unfortunately, Charlotte FC, uh, a team that has dominated possession in two weeks, but as we know, possession is not always nine-tenths the law when it comes to seeking out a result.
0: I think it's important to adjust at times against the opposition that you're playing. And that's not, say, go to hoofball or go away from your style in terms of wanting to play possessional and wanting to play out the back. But you have to be able to adjust when you're playing against these high-pressing positions. And as you mentioned, these teams are becoming more numerous in the fact you're going to have to play against them. And whereas maybe in the past, if only one team played that style and you struggled against that style, you get one loss on the season. If there's three, four teams that you're playing twice, you're looking at eight losses, right? Like that, if you're not able to adjust. So I think we talked about against St. Louis, maybe needing to make some better decisions out the back in terms of not forcing, playing it out the back at times, and maybe it's okay to send it long at times to relieve yourself that pressure and not play into the trap that they're setting. But I think that we're quite quick at times, just a sports journalist, to talk about the right way to play, or you know, sure. this is ugly soccer, but. It's tactics, and there's some sort of beauty in being able to find a style of play that's effective in winning, even if it's not the most aesthetic. You still have to sit back at a distance and say, well, at least you know your identity, you're sticking to it, and you're having an effective results pool in doing it.
1: I'm not not here to to call out – Christian, from that aspect because I do believe that like you said it, it is it is the prettier way to play and 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 from the optic standpoint not like I said on numerous occasions that I, I prefer that style and winning with that style uh, as opposed to the you know the inverse situation but again uh, like you said these teams are making it work what would be your I guess, 30,000-foot impersonation or impression, rather, of, of Atlanta. They're 1-0-1 to start the season. A, a draw last week against Toronto. A couple of goals at the death by Thiago Almada to get a victory of the opening weekend against San Jose. And uh, a continual, organized squad under Gonzalo Pineda that's uh, trying to find its resurgence uh, in this 2023 MLS campaign.
0: I think they're a beatable side, uh, 100%. I think anyone's beatable if Charlotte SC is able to perform and give 90 minutes of consistency. I think the biggest issue has been that we've not been able to be consistent through 90 minutes this season and we struggled with that last season too. There was always a five minute lapse of concentration or a half that was better and a half that wasn't. So I think if we're able to be consistent, we can definitely pick up a win this game. Atlanta's conceded in both games. They've got an older goalkeeper in Brad Guzan who's coming back from a horrific injury. I think it's incredible that he was able to come back at this stage of his career. But He's obviously not going to be as mobile as he was at earlier stages in his career. You've got Miles Robinson. U.S. men's national team fans will know him very well. Another player coming back from an incredible injury. So they have players that haven't played consistently until this start of the season. So I think that's an interesting aspect. We know there's star power on this Atlanta United side. No other MLS team can say that they've got a World Cup winner in Thiago Armada on their side you mentioned the late goals and the wondrous strikes that he had in that game and that's an individual player that can hurt you i think that in 2022 we did a decent job of silencing a lot of star power and teams that we placed uh played against Raba. this is going to be a night where we have to keep Thiago Ma- armada silent because he is a player that can really hurt you and i think another part of that is we said that one of his goals was off of a free kick We cannot give up cheap free kicks like we've done. I think that, yes, we can blame the referee. But I think in both games, we didn't adjust our style of play enough for the level of what was being considered a foul. And we gave away far too many free kicks and set-piece opportunities for the opposition. Atlanta United was very good off the dead ball, and I wouldn't want us to you know, be the master of our own downfall again with poor decision-making in terms of going in for fouls.
1: I know it's said more simply just out loud than it is done in practice, but shots on target, I think is, is kind of the one stat, you know, people have asked me what has to change. I just, I think more shots on target and, and that is A simple statement, but there's a lot that goes into it. It's the buildup. It's the service. It's getting guys in dangerous areas and and also uh, a little less timidity in the box because I think that was something that you looked at against New England. We had the ball in very dangerous areas, but guys not pulling the trigger. I think if anything, that that needs to change in, in landscape spades when you think about what has to happen for Charlotte FC to win? What else do you think needs to to change in order for Charlotte to get this result and uh, get themselves back in the win column against Atlanta?
0: I agree with you on the shots on target. I think that we also need to avoid forcing it down one direction. We against you and the Revolution in particular were kind of always trying to force that Karis Federski to Enzo Capetti link. The issue was Enzo Capetti was being man marked by two defenders consistently. And where that could have helped us is if two players are man marking Enzo Capetti, there's a world of space for other players in and around the box. So I think making sure we pick the correct passes in terms of who is actually open, who is under pressure. Uh, I I look back to Daniel Rios' era and there was a lot of time we said that he put in a lot of thankless work, right, in terms of Mm -hmm. pulling out defenders, in terms of creating space for others. Enzo Capetti doesn't want to be that player. But in MLS at times when he's got this reputation as the big name DP signing the the quality man inside the 18 he's going to be marked and I think that means that other players may have to step up I would say that my pet peeve so far this season in the attacking third has been our corner kicks uh, Ashley Westwood has been remarkable in terms of his distribution and service in other areas but I think our corner kicks have been absolutely lackluster in terms of struggling to beat the first man at times or trying a training ground move that just gets closed down immediately, we have to do something different from corner kicks because these are ideal opportunities for us to send forward aerial presence. Look at Bill Tuiloma and its goals he scored last season. We know he can score from a set piece. We've got to be able to make it worth our centre-backs while Adelson Malanda. Why are we sending our big centre-backs forward if we're not able to get a service that invites them to have an opportunity on frame?
1: Had a close header against New York. Did Melanda and Tuiloma the six goals a year ago, tied for the league among MLS defenders in the 22 campaign with Portland. We're on the air on Saturday at 11.30, kick time just after noon at Bank of America Stadium. Hope all you guys are out there for it, and if you cannot join us in person, you can certainly listen across our Charlotte FC Radio Network affiliates, including WFNZ 92.7 in Charlotte, our brand new affiliate in Greensboro, and all across the not only two-state, but three-state region in Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina, and also on Apple mls season pass by utilizing the languages tab and choosing home radio it's perfectly synced up with the pretty pictures that will take place at 12 25 for the scheduled kick safe ride to charlotte jess i'll see you on saturday
0: looking forward to it willy p let's get three points
1: you've been listening to crowd corner official podcast of charlotte football club